Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Black Hawks Live. Building winning habits. There is a commitment behind it, and that's what we have to learn. Black Hawks Live. Kershaw fires a shot block. Here's a shot for Bernard. He scores! Hunter Bernard. It's his 11th goal on the season. Got it back to Kershaw. Drop pass Bernard. Top of the left circle. He fires. He scores! What a shot by Connor Bernard! I think he's capable of everything and anything. Just with the little sample I've seen in the last two days, it's definitely impressive what he does in the ice. Where are you from? Chicago. Now, it's time to talk Hawks. Let's go Blackhawks! Here's Joe Brand. It's the best in the city of Chicago. More great work from our production guy, Ernie Scatton. In that open, you heard Nick Foligno talking about this Blackhawks team needing to build winning habits. And then Anthony Beauvillier, super impressed with Connor Bedard after playing just one game with the kid. And he's only played one game because that's all he's been allowed to play so far. Hopefully he'll join the team for good on Tuesday against the Nashville Predators. But having some visa issues, we kind of had some conversation with a few people around the station today about why is it that? Why is it so difficult for NHL players to get their working visa issues finalized and and ready to go so that they can join their new team? It's, It's interesting because you think that just be a very seamless process. It's happened a heck of a lot of times already, and it is the NHL, for crying out loud. You would think that that'd be just something that could be taken care of, even if it is the weekend and the government on both sides gets a little slow on Friday, Saturday, and Sundays. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. Our guest this week is Scott Powers of The Athletic. Hawks have an off day. But we're thrilled to have Scott, who always just has so much insight on the team and really looks at the game a very intelligent and intriguing way. So really excited to talk to him after the 7.30 news. Unfortunately, it's not the most exciting time for the Hawks right now. Three-game losing skid. They get swept on the road, get outscored 12-3, to and not too much to write home about. Connor Bedard continues his point streak on the road. That's great. Nine straight games. Longest stretch for an 18-year-old other than Nathan McKinnon's 16-game stretch in NHL history. And started the scoring against Winnipeg on Saturday. Right place, right time. Still seeming to do great things with Philip Kurashev, But the Hawks really having a difficult time offensively right now. Uh, kind of breaking down defensively as well. Having troubles there. I know we've talked a lot this year. Troy Murray's been mentioning a lot on the broadcast how the Hawks are relying on so much of their youth defensively, and that's why a lot of the breakdowns happen. But it's it's not just the youth right now. It's There's there's kind of a lot of blame to go around. And we've had some feisty callers, too. Our, our guy Jim from Morton Grove chimed in on the postgame show yesterday and was pretty frustrated about a lot of things. And if you want to hear that call, you can go and listen to the post-game show after the loss to the Minnesota Wild yesterday, wherever you get your podcast, We do podcast every post-game show. And if you notice a little difference in the structure of those shows, that is by design. We're, we're kind of breaking away from a typical highlight show. We're kind of breaking away from playing 
post-game sound in its entirety. If it's if it's reasonable and the guys have good things to say, we're going to play it all in all. But because we're podcasting these post-game show now, we try to make it a little bit more timely, a little bit more conversational. And we definitely invite you, 312-981-7200, if you'd like to call or if you'd like to text. I say it all the time in the post-game show, but that's open here on Blackhawks Live as well. But a three-game losing skid on the road, losses to Detroit, Winnipeg, and Minnesota. Four-game homestand coming up. The Hawks are going to have home games every other day starting tomorrow. Nashville on Tuesday, Anaheim on Thursday, St. Louis on Saturday, and then Washington on Sunday. So a back-to-back at the UC over the weekend. And there are some winnable games in that stretch, but the Hawks aren't in a position right now to be taking a look at opponents and, and starting to predict or premeditate wins because that hasn't been a recipe for success this year. We talked so much at the beginning of the year of how difficult the Hawks' start was and how many juggernauts they were playing. And nonstop, too, and in tough environments, home openers and and big ceremonious games. And they came up short for the majority of them, but they still put up very impressive performances with a win in Vegas, a win in Toronto, a solid performance against the Pittsburgh Penguins on opening night, a victory there at the PPG Paints Arena. But for whatever reason, this team hasn't been able to be consistent. And they haven't been able to be consistent with that fighting effort that we saw so much last year. And I know we're talking about it a lot this year, and and why? Why isn't it happening? The roster configuration, the roster makeup is different than last year, but there's still a lot of the same guys. And a lot of the same guys that were doing a lot of good things last season. And I know that is what was Jim from Morton Grove's main concern. He he, want, he wants the head coach and Luke Richardson and Kyle Davidson, the general manager, to be called out a little bit more. And I, I think we're being fair with our assessment of them. I think Jim from Morton Grove would disagree. And I, I'm, I'm really excited to ask Scott Powers about this. But I understand Hawks fans' frustration right now, and it's justified. It's understood. It's... The last three games were kind of stinkers for the most part, and it's it's tough to be fully invested in those games for all 60 minutes if the Hawks are just kind of going through these motions in the same problems. But the roster makeup is, is kind of handcuffed to where the Hawks are right now. Heading into this year, I think everyone understood that this team is not going to make a Stanley Cup run. Even with the kid and Connor Bedard. And no, that's not okay to just th- not worry about the year and, and not worry about wins and losses completely. But the fighting effort has been lacking. The The execution, I like that word better, because it's hard to say that hockey players aren't trying, right? That's kind of their MO. That's kind of their identity. Always giving it their all. Always laying it out on the ice. But the execution has slumped or just hasn't clicked. And I do think part of it is these guys trying to be too perfect on the ice, trying to make that perfect pass, trying to figure out the right thing offensively to turn it around in a cinch and get this team on the roll that they're hoping for. But that's not what they need to do right now. They need to get ugly, 
gritty goals, and I know this is cliche hockey speak, but it's it's not working with them trying to make the perfect pass, the perfect shot each and every time. And there's a lot of skilled guys, but there's a lot of guys that are kind of the mucking and grinding type and are fighting for playing time and, and are excelling well. How about the week that, the two weeks, the, almost the whole month that Boris Kachuk has had? He was on this show last week. Kind of a tell-it-how-it-is type of guy. He understands his situation, his role on this team, and he's excelling at it. I think you are seeing chemistry with Connor Bedard and Philip Kurashev, but for whatever reason, that's kind of it. I'd like to see Anthony Beauvillier in that mix. He seems like a fast guy that can handle the speed that Bedard and Kurashev play with, and he can provide a little bit more physicality on that line. He can go get the puck. He can be that Nick Foligno role. And I think that can help because then you can move Foligno back down to that line he's been having some good chemistry with in Jason Dickinson and a couple of rotating castmates on that line as well. And then that spreads the wealth. But Anthony Beauvillier has had some troubles being consistent on this roster because of the visa issues, which, I don't know, maybe Scott Powers will know a little bit more about that. But I was just talking to John Hansen on Your Money Matters just a moment ago, and he was saying, yeah, but, I mean, three guys, three veteran guys the Hawks were relying on aren't here right now. Taylor Hall, Corey Perry, and Andreas Athanasiu. The only guy they're getting back is Andreas Athanasiu. I guess there's a chance that Taylor Hall could come back towards the end of the year, but it's not likely. Underwent successful ACL surgery on Monday. And even if Athanasiu isn't a guy that's been able to turn things around for this team. I mean, he, he did finish last year with the most points. Granted, he was one of the guys that stayed here the entire year. But he is he's a guy that brings speed. And I know that's that's kind of been what we've talked about a lot this year, that his speed has almost been his biggest threat and sometimes part of his flaw as well because he's he just gets there so quickly, he almost overskates the play or overskates the thought process of what is the best situation here. But the Hawks are lacking in speed from what they had last season. I mean, Athanasiu, Domi. So maybe it's the speed factor that can help make the effort level look a little bit better. I know I've referenced that before. The guys over at CHGO were mentioning that, how how sometimes speed can disguise itself as effort. But the frustrations are understood, and I get where Hawks fans are coming from when they're upset of the roster makeup, but I don't think that that means that this year is is a complete loss, and I even say that knowing that not much is put on this year for the future hard success of this team that's not lightly putting how important this season is for Connor Bedard. That that is that is important as well. That's a, a huge part and a huge piece of this entire rebuild. But they're having difficulty everything else around it. Again, 312-981-7200 if you'd like to call or text. It looks like we're gonna get a call here. Uh our friend Robin, who uh is uh Coming in with a different approach. Go ahead, Robin. You're on WGN. Well, 
in my opinion, I think a winning team, we would get a winning team if the owner was hungry for a winning team. If the owner's not hungry and they're in it just for the money because they think they can rely on, oh, it's the Blackhawks, you know, every we'll still get fans. They'll come, they'll come no matter what. I think if the owners are hungry, we'll get a winning team again. So you, you think you I'm think not quite sure what you you think Danny Wirtz isn't hungry enough, Robin? I don't see I don't hear anything about him. I heard all about Rocky, but I don't hear about the new the new um, person that took over in his place. So I think we need to hear more from them what, what their design is for the Blackhawks, what what their what they want the team to be. Okay. If they want a winning team. Right. Get one. All right. I got some thoughts on that, Robin. Thank you for the call. Appreciate you chiming in. Sure. All right. That's Robin. Again, if you'd like to join us, 312 981 7200. I understand Robin's want for the owner, and in this case, Danny Wirtz, to be hungry. I think Danny Wirtz is hungry. Not only that, Danny Wirtz got a front row view of this Blackhawks organization and the ownership change from his grandfather Bill to his dad Rocky. And he saw the success that Rocky had by the changes that he made. And not only that, the organization reaped the benefits of the changes that Rocky had. I think Danny provides that as well. I I, I think if Robin's upset that she's not seeing or hearing enough about Danny Wirtz in terms of the makeup of the team, I do know that Danny has complete belief in the system that he built with Kyle Davidson as the general manager over on the business side, Jamie Faulkner. I think he hired those people because he has faith, trust, and belief in all those people and allows them to do their job while also giving them confidence, flexibility, and just basically the opportunity to do their job. I, I I don't think it's we, we got to go all the way to the top to figure out why the Blackhawks aren't scoring right now. But I appreciate hearing from the fans and their thought process on that. Texter from the 773 area code saying that the Blackhawks are one of the teams in the city that doesn't need to worry about the ownership. Again, if you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. we got Steve Ruxton's news coming up in just a moment. Scott Powers will join us after the 730 news. He covers the team for The Athletic. Again, always enjoy his takes, his points of view. So be interesting to pick his brain about the Hawks' struggles right now and uh, about some of the new guys. And I mean, we haven't even mentioned kind of a big move by Luke Richardson before yesterday's game, making Lucas Reichel a healthy scratch. I came in as a Lucas Reichel stand this year. He was one of the best guys in the ice during training camp, during the scrimmages, doing a lot of great things. And it just seemed like everything made sense for him to take a huge stride this season. And for whatever reason, 22 games in, it's not the case. And you got to give credit to the Blackhawks for being open-minded with him, trying different things, putting him in different spots, challenging him, but also putting him in opportunities to succeed. And Lucas Reichel's a great example. I I don't think he's not trying hard enough. I I don't think it's a case of Lucas Reichel's effort level isn't there. But for whatever reason, that flashy offensive skill that he has is not there. Six points in 22 games. His lone two goals... 
Does that make sense? His only two goals, I guess. His only two goals have both come on the power play. He has four assists. They tried him on the top line with Bedard. They tried him on the top power play unit. That's where he got his two goals, but it never really got him going. He struggled a little bit at center. They moved him back to wing. I I know a lot of people were hounding the Hawks for keeping him at center and making claims that that would stunt his growth. I don't know if that's the case. He had all offseason to prepare for the center position, and it seemed like he took on that challenge wholeheartedly, gained weight, worked on his strength and conditioning. He stopped playing tennis. He's a huge tennis fan. He's really good. At least that's what he tells me. But I, I can imagine Lucas Reichel's really good at tennis. Uh, he stopped playing it because it's too much cardio. And he was working solely on gaining weight. Or getting stronger, I guess. To get ready at that center position. And working on face-offs. So, I mean, that's that's the work ethic right there. Also, I think he, he stayed in the States over the offseason, too. Now, it, it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing for the Hawks. Because, obviously, they hold a lot of value, and have a high ceiling on Lucas Reichel. But the more he continues to struggle, the more the Hawks kind of have a decision to make. And that's why this season, it's important to see what the Hawks have in so many different guys. Lucas Reichel, Arvid Sutterbloom. You know, what do they have in Taylor Radish? Is this a guy that can be around for the foreseeable future? And... You know, I never really thought about this, but again, going back to our caller, Jim from Morton Grove, who I can't believe I'm giving this much airtime on Blackhawks Live, but he, he's so concerned about the roster makeup and, and wants to go to war against the general manager. This is the year to figure those things out. This is the year you have to be patient with individual efforts, even if that's at the cost of the offense struggling the way it is right now. Scott Powers is after Steve Ruxton News, and we're going to go to the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Blackhawks Live 720 WGN. Hawks are gearing up for a four-game homestand, which they'll kick off tomorrow night, hosting the Nashville Predators pregame show at 7 o'clock here on 720 WGN. I'm Joe Brand. Our producer is Jack Heinrich. And our guest this week is Scott Powers. He writes for The Athletic, does a fantastic job. Scott, thank you very much for taking some time on your Monday night. How's it going, man? Uh, Good, Joe. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Hey, Scott, you've been covering this team for a while, but especially over the last two years, same head coach, roster makeup, I mean, different, but not completely different. What, what in, in your mind is the biggest difference between these two teams that's not quite doing it in terms of this team being as competitive each and every game like it was last year? I, I think part of it is the roster. I mean, this, this team wasn't built to exactly win. Um, and then you, you take off Corey Perry, Taylor Hall, and, and you know, even Andres Dantas, you now, I mean, those are two guys who are top six roles, Perry, even on the top power play unit. So you're, you're talking about a bulk of this team. And when you even look at the cap space, I mean, those those guys cover a lot of ground in that in the cap, the way that this roster is built. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to sometimes for me to gauge how hard guys are working. I know that's something Luke Richardson said, and, you know, he probably has a better indication than I do. But, um, you know, when, when I look at things from, I guess, a larger picture and just how the team was built, and then you take away, um, you know, you take away some of those main pieces and you're left with, um, you know, a lot of young kids and even young kids like Lucas Reichel, who are, you know, it's expected to take another step this season and um, hasn't taken that in our season, that in the next step. So it, it's hard for me to say that, it, you know, it all comes down to work ethic. Some of it just seems a talent level, um, you know, youth and experience, and then, then you know, just some bad luck and, 
Um, you know, with some injuries, and obviously Corey Perry's situation is different. But um, it, it feels like, yeah, uh, to me, it, it feels like a team that wasn't exactly going to win a whole lot of games. And you take away some of the, you know, top pieces from that, it, it makes it even harder. Yeah, just just kind of a perfect storm. Um, are you? Do, do you think that the Hawks are doing the right thing with with Lucas Reichel? I, I mean, it seems like they've given him all these different opportunities to succeed, and for whatever reason, it's just not clicking. And kind of the same thing. Like, I don't think it's an effort thing. I think he's trying really hard out there. It's just not working. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, they moved him. They moved him back to the wing. They wanted to give him a long look at center. Um, that wasn't exactly clicking, and then. You know, they gave him a short ride there with Conor Bedard and, and Phil Kershev. And I, I felt like they had some zone time, but not exactly a whole lot of production. And then, you know, he, he's bounced around from between center and wing even since then. And, um, you know, given t- opportunities on the top power play units, and I, I know he's had some chances, but, you know, they want him playing with speed and creativity. You know, things you saw at the end of last season where he was, you know, producing a point of game. Um, and making some really flashy and, you know, highlight real-type plays. And you just haven't seen that, uh, you know, consistently enough. I think there's been moments, and I think early in the season he had a lot of confidence in training camp especially. And then early in the season I thought he played with that. Um, but maybe just lost it over time as, you know, some of those chances didn't go in. So, it, it, you know, I, I think of the uh, uh, the Winnipeg game. Um, I'm, I'm losing track. All the games are blending together, but um, it's uh, it, you know having you know that one of that game just it, how invisible he was. You know, I, I noticing that when he did have the puck, he just wasn't really you know crisp with it. He wasn't looking to make plays. Just um, it just it, it it was you know kind of in the whole team that night. Other than um, you know the Connor Bedard and that line really had anything going, but you, you kind of tell that something wasn't clicking. And um, you know, and obviously the Blackhawks and management and the coaching staff saw that too to sit him against Minnesota. So. It's um yeah I don't know I, I think you know it's one game I imagine he's back in the lineup tomorrow they're hoping that he can respond um and, you know sometimes you'll see sometimes a player will, will, will take a you know a healthy scratch and be really motivated so um it's um yeah it's not ideal for the Blackhawks I mean they, they honestly thought Reichel was was ready to go and he was going to be um you know you know started at the same pace he did last season uh, and and I I think you know if Reichel's going they they probably don't you know even have to make that trade for um you know the most recent trade. Uh, they're bringing um, really? Olivier, and um, so yeah, I don't know. It's um, I, I think this is uh, yeah. I, I think they're just, they're they're searching for answers, and this was the latest one. I, I don't think they you know they even considered sending him the rock for like they see him as an NHL player, and they don't really think um, you know they, they don't really think that that sort of step back is going to do them any good too. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what comes tomorrow night. But I, I think this was the latest um, you know kind of desperation move where they thought maybe just sitting him down a game and hopefully that ignites him tomorrow. Speaking of Beauvillier, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I, I'm just kind of uh, very confused about it too. I mean, I mean, I know working visas are an issue. I know it's a thing, but is there a reason why the NHL can't just like get this thing cleaned up and 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 done right away? I mean, this happens all the time. Yeah, I, I honestly don't. Even it's funny because like you know, like this weekend, seeing him in Winnipeg, he's like, "Yeah, I'm here," and and sounds like the visa office is closed this weekend, so I'm not going to really <laughs> any answers. So. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's a strange. I mean, Jason Dickinson went through this last year, too, right. where he had to set out a bunch. And, uh, you know, just coincidentally, the Blackhawks played a game in Canada, so he was able to play that one game. So I would assume it happened at some point this week, and the fact that they have four home games, I, I yeah, I, again, I'm just guessing. But I would think he's, you know, you think it would get done by this week, and he's with the Hawks at some point this week. So, it's uh, yeah, it's such a strange situation how it so often happens, but, um, you know, these trades occur in, in, in between Canada and the U.S., and they still uh, they don't get quickly resolved. 
Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's frustrating because, I mean, the Hawks are clearly looking for depth and, and help offensively right now, and I'm sure they would love to have their new guy. Um, wh- what about the power play or, or even just the special team, Scott? Is it the same kind of thing, you think, missing pieces that they brought in this year for that, that uh, the, the special teams, then also just kind of relying on too many young guys? Would you say that's the same kind of assessment? Yeah, maybe, you know, like a power play, it, it, sometimes it's a confidence thing, you know, I mean, the Blackhawks have enough pieces, um, especially with high-end pieces like Connor Bedard, where, I mean, he he's still learning the NHL, but he, it's, it's an area where he's really flourished, you know, throughout his, his junior career, and he has such a great shot in playmaking ability, so I, I think, you know, I think they saw a little bit last game, um, you know, especially getting the puck down low and Tyler Johnson creating a little bit more um, you know, trying to create things through the slots, and you saw Radish in the bumper roll getting some opportunities and and sort of open some things, maybe some team passes too. So um, I think just trying some different things and, you know, just having some confidence. You know, practice on Friday in, in Winnipeg, the, the power play was a disaster. Like, I haven't seen anything like it where they just, even in practice, they couldn't enter, and they, uh, I mean, they were just guys throwing F-bombs all over the place and just really frustrated. And, um, you know, Luke Richardson just had to stop it, stop it. You know, like he just <laughs> they stopped practicing because it wasn't going anywhere and it wasn't doing anything, anyone well. And the next day they get one power play, it's okay. And then the game after that, you know, like they, they, they get, you know, they get the puck, um, they get the power play early and they get the puck down low to Tyler Johnson. And he seemed like he really opened some things up by being aggressive, trying to play quick and maybe trying to, um, you know, just tack some areas of ice they don't normally, normally in the power play. And I felt like it just kind of opened up the entire power play from that. So, um, it's one of those things where the ball starts rolling in the power play and, um, you know, seeing guys seem to start having some more confidence and, you know, and maybe finding some areas that they weren't able to have, a, you know, any um, positive plays before. So I, I felt like last game was the you know, best we've seen in the power play for a while. Um, penalty kill, it's, it's another thing where it's like sometimes it's rolling and they have guys that are really good on the penalty kill. I mean, Jason Richardson and, uh, you know, Boris Kachuk and, Guys who have had success, so I think again, it's some of it's spacing, um, some of it's on the defense, and some of it's on you know, the forwards being more aggressive, but also kind of finding. Um, I think just those passing lanes and trying to get sticks in there. I think you know, I, I thought last game Minnesota did a pretty good job of finding those lanes and kind of finding a way to dissect the Blackhawks penalty kill. So um, I, again, I think those are fixable areas. I think a little bit easier than five on five. I think special teams, um, you know, it's a little bit more correctable. At least you. You have your top players on the ice the most of the time, so um, I, I think those can be headed in a positive direction. I think it's more five on five and trying to find ways to produce there that they um, they might continue to struggle. We're talking with Scott Powers of the Athletic here on Blackhawks Live. A few more minutes, uh, Scott. You can thank my producer Jack for this, but I I, I missed this tweet from you in September. Um, it must have been the beginning of training camp or something, but it, this is from your Twitter. I hated hockey when ESPN told me I'd be covering the Hawks in 2012. <laughs> I was hoping the lockout would never end. I probably still greatly dislike the sport for a few more years, but now here I am starting my 12th season on the beat. Do, do you not like hockey? I, I didn't grow up with it. I, mean, I grew up in Chicago. Um, it, it wasn't accessible. It wasn't something that was in my family. It wasn't, um, you know, I grew up on the northwest side of the city. Um, not many rinks around. Um, you know, Blackhawks weren't exactly on TV growing up. Um, yeah, just my exposure to it wasn't great. So, you know, when I was at ESPN, I, I started covering high school and colleges, and that was my thing. And then uh, ESPN kind of got away from the locals, and it was sort of sink or swim. And they put me on the, the hockey beat, and Jesse Rogers had gone over to the Cubs beat. So, um, yeah, you know, those first few years, everyone's like, oh, you, you got to cover the Stanley Cup in 13. And I, I hated most of it. Like, it was, it was painful, and it was a lot of travel. And, it was a sport that I didn't know much about and didn't like, and yeah, here I am. So obviously, I've 
I've embraced it and tried to learn a lot and certainly uh, like this for a lot more than I used to. But it's, uh, yeah, it was, if you told me, you know, when I started my journalism career, I'd be covering hockey and, and doing it this long, I, I certainly would have uh, been shocked. Well, I feel like it was Jesse that, that talked about how he misses hockey because uh, the, <laughs> the, the practices are short. The I mean, I know the season is the longest, but I mean, you got to admit, the games are quick. The practices are short. I mean, I don't know. Is there is there anything that surprisingly has turned you on to hockey that you, you do like about it compared to other sports that you covered? Yeah, no, I, I think when I got laid off from ESPN, I um, and, and then when the athletics started and the Blackhawks didn't credential the athletics originally, it was uh, I was trying to figure out a way to cover the sport um, with not having access and asking people to pay for it. And, and what I started doing was watching the games and then replaying the games and trying to really you know um, cut up video. And, and by doing that, I and I really slowed the game down and started understanding it at a different level. And um, you know, having not having played it, you know, there weren't a lot of things I understood, and I felt like. Um, as much as I had covered for ESPN for a while, like I might don't think my full education of hockey really started until um, you know I'll be with the Athletic eight years in February. Um, it, it started mostly began when 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 the Athletic kind of education began. We're just really going through video and understanding why this place happened and you know everything happens so quick when you watch it live. Right. Um, you know it's kind of a little bit easier for me to, to kind of dissect. But um, you know I think back then it, it was really good for me to have to, um, you know, take a pause and, and kind of really go through those plays and, and trying to produce, you know, I was trying to obviously produce content that other people weren't doing, but it was really good for me to learn the game through that way because I think I, I learned a ton about it. And even now, like, I, I, you know, I've been doing this for a minute, but uh, I feel like I'm still learning, and, you know, I think that's what I really enjoy about this. Um, you know, covering hockey is I, I feel like I'm trying to continually evolve as a reporter and try to cover it different ways and try to uh, understand it in different ways, too. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been fun in that respect. Well, I'll say, Scott, I mean, that, that really did surprise me because the way you break down the game and break down plays and, and incorporate the Corsi rating, and, and I, I, I'm very impressed with your analysis of the game. I would never have thought that, you know, you really didn't take a liking to it. But so I, I feel like sometimes that's what you got to do when you're not in love with a certain sport that you're working or covering or calling or whatever. You just kind of have to take a, a strategic approach and, and kind of like make it your homework and, and dive into it and, and try to find a greater appreciation of it and so i i can understand that but i'll i'll be honest it surprised me that you weren't too much of a, a hockey fanatic growing up based on how much you know about it yeah no i i mean i grew up watching chicago high school basketball and uh you know really into that for a long time and you know when i was at espn it was a lot of high school stuff and some college hoops and you know some college football and stuff so it was yeah it was, it was mostly like if i wanted to stay at espn if i want to stay in this business um at least with espn it was covering hockey and um, yeah, strange enough for the athletics started like it was originally like we were going to cover I was going to cover White Sox and help out with Bulls and all these different things and then all of a sudden you know, athletics saw um, you know how well the Blackhawks readership was and it was one of the reasons why the athletic went so deep into covering hockey too and you know kind of really immersed itself in Canada and elsewhere so it's um, yeah it's been it's been really cool like it's uh, again like this wasn't what I expected but now that it's this way I, I went you know like I've done a couple books with with Joe Belfry and Marion Host and, and certainly, you know, kind of really got in into hockey. So it's, it's strange how things happen, but it's, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun and, and certainly, you know, like I said, trying to continue to evolve and, um, yeah, hopefully report the game, you know, in a different way. Huh. That's cool. Scott, thank you very much for the time, man. I know you got uh, extreme dad duty right now, so we'll let yeah, you I get got, back I got to a that. two-year-old who's searching the house right now for me. <laughs> I will go find her. <laughs> All right. Good luck finding her. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thanks, Joe. All right. Thank that, is, that is Scott Powers of The Athletic. Uh, 
Great convo with him. I, I, I will say that book with Marion Hosa, fantastic. And I, I hope I told Scott this. If I didn't do that in real life, I'll have to do it tomorrow. But the way he's able to translate Marion Hosa in that book, it, it just, Hosa sounds so conversational. And as great as Marion Hosa is as a person, his personality, everything, you know that there's a language barrier there. But when you read the book, it's not like that at all. It's just, it's so fluid. It's such an easy read. He's got so many good stories in there. I, I highly recommend that for Hawks fans and just sports fans in general. We'll take a break. One more segment of Blackhawks Live, and that's it here on 720 WGN. I'm Joe Brand. This is the last segment of Blackhawks Live, and it's time for Jack's last thoughts. Jack Heinrich, our producer, the floor is yours. I'm mainly looking for to see how Lucas Reichel responds tomorrow with the healthy scratch. I mean, I mean, you were both surprised when we saw that news yesterday, and hopefully it lights a fire in him, like you said, Joe. Like I, I was pretty high on him too coming into the year. He had a really good end to the year last year when he got some time playing after the trades and looked pretty good and added on a ton of weight, and he, he looked good going into to uh, training camp. And then the last preseason, I mean, preseason is a little slow, but he got that last goal. Um, I think it was in Nashville their last game, but St. Louis, um, St. Louis, that's right. And he got the his goal, and I thought that would carry on through the season, but I know it's kind of been the story of the Hawks. He's gotten off to a slow start, and the Hawks, after winning a couple big games, have kind of been up and down with a lot of stuff off the ice, too. But Yeah, I almost wonder how different this year would be if, if Reichel was really pulling through, because even if the Hawks are, even if the record the record is exactly the same, how much more relieved are fans knowing that the two guys that probably matter the most in the organization right now are doing what they're doing? Right, yeah. I mean, and Scott had an interesting point. He's like, I don't even know if they trade for Beauvillier. Yeah, I, I found that interesting. He said that. Reichel's playing well. I, I feel like it, because, okay, then Reichel stays on the top line, but but I don't know. I, I still think they need the depth. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and they were struggling a little bit together, too, with on the defensive side of the ice. Um, I know they're trying to get that spark on offense, but... I, that, I thought that was interesting because if he's doing well, maybe you just think you could throw him up there. But they've been getting hurt with the, a lot of their forwards this year, so that, I think that you're right. They need more depth. From 773, the roster is not built to win yet, and that's the plan. This year is about developing Bedard, Korchinski, and to see what we have in Reichel and Soderblom. Next season is when we should start thinking about postseason. Uh, you're right about those assessments on those players, yes. And I think this is an important year to kind of put the microscope under them on the ice. Next year, postseason, I mean, I'm just saying, Hawks fans, be cautious. I, I'm not saying it's not going to Seems happen. a little early. There's, there's a world where it can happen, but just, just you got to be cautious in terms of all the players you're going to rely on. You think they're relying on a lot of young guys right now? I mean, if Even they're... Even more so then. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then from the 219, I know you're big on the coach, but he's got to go. In the end, it's all about results not showing, <laughs> even if it's showing improvement. I don't know about that. Uh, big thanks to our producer, Jack Heinrich. Big thanks to Scott Powers of The Athletic for uh, taking time out of his Monday night. Next game is tomorrow night against Nashville. FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show begins at 7. Puck drop with John and Troy at 7.30. This has been Blackhawks Live. Steve Ruxton has your news next. After that, it's John Landecker. We'll talk to you tomorrow night from the United Center.